Three Beers In, a craft podcast with beer news and reviews. Here's your host, Dominic Ribello. Oh, that's good. The sound of that, you know what it is. It's a beer. Sorry about last week, everybody. I, I feel bad about it, but I needed to spend time with the family. From deep underground in Staten Island's Beer Bunker slash Virtual Saloon, I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Three Beers In. It is the craft beer show bringing you the latest beer news and unique craft beer reviews. I am your host, Dom, and this is episode 169. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, And this week we're drinking Action Bronson 7000. Okay. It's from Stillwater Artisanal. And uh, I think it's a beer that was brewed in, in collaboration with the rapper Action Bronson. I think. I don't know. They're not giving a ton of information on Stillwater Artisanal uh, website. Uh, I don't have the can here in front of me. I haven't had it yet. But I am so glad that you guys can join me here this week. I hope I'm sounding well because there was an update in the software. And I pressed a whole bunch of buttons and I don't know if it did anything good or bad. So we'll see how the audio quality turns out at the end of it. That doesn't sound too smart, but we'll see what happens. So again, Action Bronson 7000, a dry hopped Sour ale brewed with muscat grapes or musk, m- muscat grapes. I don't know. It's 5% ABV. And uh, if you guys don't know Action Bronson, I, I don't know him very well, but I know of him and I like him. He's a rapper, I think, out of Queens. And I don't really know any of his music or anything like that. But uh, he pops up on my social media sometimes. And he seems like a pretty cool dude. Um, I think he was a professional chef before he got into music. And he does a segment or does like a little show with Vice called uh, Fuck That's Delicious or Oh Fuck That's Delicious. um, Where they go around the city, uh, you know, the various boroughs and try to find delicious craft, uh, not craft, but like um, small restaurants, kind of mom and pop type joints. Um, finding delicious, awesome food. Hold on here. Mm. So I was, um, I was out and about and I wanted to get some beer that wasn't show beer and stuff like that. And what came across me was Dogfish Head's uh, 60 minute IPA. And I haven't had this in years. And I was like, you know what? When I had that interview with Rob from Brewery Strong, um, he said it was like, um, it was Dogfish Head that kind of turned him on to craft beer. And um, I kind of ignored them for a little bit, you know, and uh, sort of like the thing that I was doing with Bells. So I decided to grab it. And it really is so scrumptious. If you haven't had Dogfish Head in a while, it is good to always support your local craft brewery strong, that type of uh, business. It is very important to do. But uh, once in a while, mm, once in a while, it doesn't hurt to go back to the basics. When I say basics, I mean like the beginning, so to speak. Now, their, their, their most famous beer is their 120, uh, the 120-minute the 120 IPA. I think it came in a four-pack of bottles. Uh, it was a little on the pricier side, but I think what they had done with that was that they did a um, 120-minute boil of hops, and I think I haven't really read the can here. It says, <clears throat> our East Coast IPA is continually hopped with a slew of Northwest hops throughout the entire boil for a powerful citrusy hop character. And it's interesting is that it's not too overpowering in the bitterness and in the, and, and stuff like that. It has a really nice aroma to it. I think they use some noble hops. Did I read that they use noble hops? Did, uh, Northwest hops. So it's got a, just a clean, delicious taste to it. Very crushable. Mm. Last weekend is when I had it. And uh, the family had a little barbecue. Just the, you know, just the core family. And um, I was sitting outside uh, having a cigar and and drinking these beers. And it was just so relaxing. It felt really good. Sometimes it's good to just get out and relax. Take it easy and take a break from from everything. You know, because it's just so crazy right now. You know, and, uh, you know, it's just good to to kick back and relax a little bit on the homebrew front. I think I kind of screwed up with the Hefeweizen. So I'm not going to say I forgot that it was there. I definitely didn't forget that it was there, but 
I got to learn from my mistakes. That's something that's important because I, I put a lot of time and effort into brewing the beer. You should be uh, more on top of it, Dom. You know what I mean? So I took a look at it the other day and it looks like it may have oxidized a little bit. If not oxidized a little bit, it looks like it may have. So it, it may have like some diacetyl in it or, or diacetyl in it, I think. But it still smells like a Hefeweizen. It definitely didn't go bad, right? But I definitely have been letting it sit for too long. And since I have a um, bucket fermenter, not a carboy, a glass carboy, which you could see through and um, uh, doesn't have a lot of headspace and, and doesn't let a lot of oxygen in, I may have just let this go a little bit too long. Now, does this mean that the beer is ruined? By me, By all means, no. I mean, of course, if I were to submit this to a homebrew competition, yes, the beard would probably be ruined because the color is off. It's supposed to be a much lighter color. It's gotten a lot darker than it probably should be. Uh, once again, it is also very concentrated in the bucket. So once I bottle it, which I plan on doing tomorrow, um, I think it'll lighten up a little bit. But what will this do to the flavor? I think it's going to make it taste a little bit sweeter, um, which isn't necessarily terrible for a Hefeweizen. But uh, it will be a drinkable beer. The beer isn't sick. Uh, there was no mold in there or anything like that. So, you know, the flavor is not going to be your pure Hefeweizen. I want to learn from the mistakes here. The mistakes were I didn't, I, I kind of just let it slide to the back burner. Not a good thing to do, um, especially if you're sharing it with, with friends, which is one of the things that I really like doing with um, the homebrews. Um I got lazy, you know, I really got lazy. I was tired. I didn't want to bottle it. It takes, it's very time consuming as, you know, I wasn't feeling like really great. So, uh, it suffered a little bit, but, uh, yeah, the color is going to be off. The flavors are still going to be fine. I think, uh, they're not going to be fantastic, but what I want to do is, um, oh, that's what I forgot to do. I did not get, um, I didn't read the specific gravity, the, uh, the gravity of the beer, which is important to do. I did get a reading, uh, after, uh, the, I cooled it, excuse me, right before I pitched the yeast, but I didn't get anything uh, in between. You're supposed to kind of check it once in a while to see if it's done fermenting to just get it out of the fermenter and into a bottle. So I didn't do that. It's definitely been done fermenting and just how long it's been. I don't know. And that's the problem. So I will get a reading before I put it in the bottles to see how much alcohol there is. I don't expect it to do, uh, be too high in that department, but either way, the next beer that I'm going to brew will be a Hefeweizen because I'm slightly disappointed in myself. Well, I'm actually kind of disappointed in myself that I kind of let this happen. Uh, I don't know. I'm really upset about it. I think I was just overwhelmed with, <clears throat> excuse me. I think I was just overwhelmed. With everything that was going on because at work they were doing, you know, the, uh, I don't know if I said this before, but they have us working uh, four days a week now and I'm collecting unemployment for the other day. Uh, and this was to avoid layoffs, so that was a bit stressful. Then the COVID thing kind of died down. Then there was the the um, the riots going on and the protesting every day, and and just a lot was happening, and it kind of just fell out of the uh, the wheelhouse, so to speak, you know. But what I want to do is I want to keep this half wise and I want to bottle it and I want to drink it. And um, then I want to make the very next beer I want to make is going to be a half again. Same yeast, same recipe. And I want to get it right. Excuse me. I want to get it right this time around because um, I really was excited to have a really good half And maybe it, it will be good. Maybe uh, this extra time in the fermenter getting a little darker and getting a little more maturity to it. That's a a um, asterisk term to just say uh, uh, more oxygen on it, uh, which can ruin the beer. So hopefully that's not the case. And, uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. Now, before I get into the hop of the week this week, I want to give you guys a little bit of an update on the Mount Rushmore, which came in on uh, season two. And now here we are in season three. So for season two, um, and for those that don't know, the Mount Rushmore is um, uh, the best four beers that I've had in the seasons of three beers in uh, starting with season two and they break down into the lager ale stout and seasonal category. And for the season uh, two, 
the the best logger I had and the best uh, it still stands today was the Five Barrel Pilsner. It was just so fantastic. The ale department, however, had a couple of changes in season two where Blood of the Unicorn was overtaken by Citrus Snuggy, and this carries into season three where Eastern Standard was taken over by Shape of Hops to Come, which was then overtaken by Madonna. <clears throat> I make it sound like the artist Madonna took over, but Stouts we had in season two, Tiramisu Munchies was there, and then it was overtaken by Lucius, and today Lucius still stands in season three as a 9.7, the highest rated beer on three beers in, other than a Bud Light that was rated a 10 by Junior because it was cold. And then in the seasonal department, we had a Sour September in Season 2, and that's where Unsatisfied came out on top. But then that was overtaken by Kegnog, which is a really good winter warmer beer, if I remember. And then um, the seasonal for Season 3 here was uh, uh, Purple Monkey Dishwasher, which I don't know why I put it under seasonal because... It was a stout, um, which wouldn't even stand up to uh, Lucia's, or was it a porter? Uh, I'm not too certain, but it got a rating of a 6.75, which is, again, also kind of odd for me to do. And I do think that this Action Bronson Sour, or American Wild, is probably going to take over that last seasonal Mount Rushmore spot, unless it is less than a 6.75, which I don't think it would be, because Stillwater makes pretty delicious stuff, and, and it does sound like a pretty delicious beer, but... I'm going to try to stay more on top of this Mount Rushmore and keep you guys updated. Um, I am getting a little low in that fridge. I think I got two more weeks of beer, and then I got to make my way back out to um, Joe Canals uh, because I uh, there's no word on if Beverage Island's ever going to open up again. And that's really sad because I think that with the move and then the COVID, it may have been the death knell, so to speak, for them. And they were really, really great, especially to the show and especially to the community when it came to craft beer. But, um, hey... Hopefully uh, something or someone can maybe start it up again. Maybe they can get it going again or or somebody who is into uh, distribution can get this going again because Staten Island uh, is craving that type of situation where they have a mecca of beer. That's what Beverage Island was. When I first walked in, it was like I lost my mind. I really did. It was so uh, unbelievable. But I, would, I do want to stay on top of this um, Mount Rushmore. And when I get to Joe Canals, I'm really going to try to see if I can hone in on some loggers that are craft made. Uh, I might even start dabbling in um, going online and trying to order beers from around America to try to get them here and to give them a, a taste and give them their fair shake, especially when it comes to the Mount Rushmore and how important that is. I don't think Lucius or Luscious, I should get the real name of it. Take your pick. I don't think it's ever going to be I don't think, how do you get to a 10? That's another thing that was something that came up on the show. It's like, how do you get to a 10? But that stout was just so good and so memorable. It's it's one of the beers that, you know, I could just rattle off if someone said, what's like the best stout you ever had? It's just boom, I'm going to say that. You know, it's just going to happen, you know. So we'll see what happens with uh, Action Bronson, but let's get into the hop of the week, shall we? Okay, so this week we're going to be doing for the Hop of the Week here, Victoria's Secret, or Vic Secret is the alternative uh, word for it. And according to morebeer.com, Vic Secret is an Australian hop known for its bright tropical characteristic. Uh, Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, I... Didn't read that at all correctly. Victoria's Secret is an Australian hop known for its bright tropical character of pineapple, pine, and passion fruit. Similar to Galaxy, but with a lighter profile, uh, highly recommended as a whirlpool or dry hop edition where the tropical notes will really shine. Displays a more earthy character when added late in the boil. Uh, and the alpha acid composition is anywhere from 14 to 17%. Uh, and it does come from Australia. Flavor and aroma, piney, tropical uh, fruits, and pineapple. Um, I've had a couple of beers that have uh, dry hop with, uh, with Vic Secret. I think uh, Bolero Snort uses it a lot. And so does, uh, I think Killsborough does as well. I had an all together, and I will not disclose, <clears throat> I will not disclose the brewery that I had it from. Uh, but it wasn't anything from the care package from Pete Sullivan, but it did come from someone else. God, I'm so fortunate. People bring me beer. It's so great. 
I won't disclose the name of the brewery, but I do think that they used um, Vic Secret or Galaxy Hops in their uh, in the Whirlpool, or they dry hopped with it. I, I I just believe it to be so, but I could be wrong. I'm going to say it. Not not last. We're moving on, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, that was it for the hop of the week, and now the beer news. It is a little slow in the beer news department. Okay, there's been a lot of other news going on, so. Because it's been a little slow in the beer news, what I will do is I'm going to read a couple of emails that I got. And uh, that'll take over for um, what I usually do in terms of uh, the news. So, first thing I have here is a question from, where is it? I had it up on my computer here. Got it! It is Andrew from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I've always wanted to try going out to New Mexico. I had this conversation. I don't mean to segue too, too much. But I had this conversation with um, the husband of my wife's goddaughter. (laughs) A friend of the family, or his family, so to speak. But we were talking... And we were, you know, he's like, you know, Florida seems to be like a great destination to go to. It seems to be like the next step for people who have a starter house or, or live a little while in New York. They always go down to Florida. Everyone goes to Florida, Florida, Florida. And I said, you know what? You're right. No one ever says I set my goal. My aspiration is to move to North Dakota. And I, and I, I you know, it was just so funny. But Albuquerque, New Mexico, I've always wanted to go down to like Texas or Arizona or New Mexico, down there and just see what it's like. I I mean, I've just, there's so much I want to do, you know, it would be really great. But Andrew Andrew from uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, asked a question and said, if Modelo Chilada Mango Eat Chile was the last beer on the planet, would you drink it? Okay, so Andrew, number one, I don't know what that is. So I'm going to just give me, hold on, I'm going to pause to look it up. Right, so I couldn't find much on it other than um, it's kind of like a Bud Light Lime. or No, not like a Bud Light Lime. It's like one of those, um, the fuck do they make? They make like those uh, Bud Light margarita type things. So the Modelo Chilada Mango y Chile, it's a specialty beer from Modelo. It's a 3.5% ABV brewed with beer and the refreshing flavors of mango and chili peppers. Modelo Chilada, uh, Chilada Mango y Chile is the perfect ba- oh, the perfect balance of fresh fruit flavor and a kick of spice. Nothing about beer is in there. But again, you know, you see a lot of breweries going down this road where they have to try to pull more people into their market with the specialty stuff. I get it. It's a thing. Would I drink it, Andrew? I would give it a try. I definitely would. But is it, when you say it was the last beer on earth, does that mean there's no other booze on earth? Like, is there... Because I'm, I've, if this is the last beer, and I can have like a mojito or a margarita, because I'm, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I like margaritas. I, I, you know, a lot of people frown upon them. A lot of people think that that may be weak of me to say, but I'm not afraid to admit it. I am who I am, and I wear my heart on my sleeve. I will drink margaritas. I will. They're delicious to me. So if I had the choice between the Modelo Chilada Mango Eat Chile. Or a fucking delicious margarita. I'm taking the margarita. And it's a frozen one. I'll have it frozen. I'll have it on the rocks. Put the salt in there. I don't give a shit. Just just make sure there's a lime in there. I just love the lime. And like that's why I like mojitos too. The lime, the mint. Or is, that, is there a lime in a mojito? I don't care. But if we're talking Mexico here. And Modelo is from Mexico. And I think it's Modelo that has the, uh, the negra, I believe. And it is a... It's actually a Marzen beer, if I'm not mistaken. Hold on. Let me look this up. One second. Okay, that's what it is. It's not a Marzen. I got it right here. It's a, it is a Dunkel. It's a Munich Dunkel lager. Now, this is according to TotalWine.com, but the Modelo Negra is a Munich Dunkel lager at a 5.4 ABV, offers a balanced flavor and delicate aroma of dark malt, caramel, and hop giving the drinker a pleasant and soft blend of sweetness and bitterness. This beer has a bright, dark amber color that's topped with a thick, creamy foam. Now, I think I saw a commercial recently, and I think it was Modelo that did the commercial that was like, they were doing like this, like, 
Oh, you don't want to drink Modelo? Well, did you know that this beer and the recipes were from a German immigrant? Like, like it was kind of very, like, you know, it was attacking you. It was almost sort of passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive how it was coming at you. Like, oh, you don't know about Modelo? You don't know that Hans did this? No, I didn't. I didn't fucking know that Hans brewed it. But when you see a Munich Dunkel Lager in there, like then you kind of like change your your opinion. You know what? I might I might pick this up. I might pick this up, and I might review it on the show. That'll be a fun little thing. I've always flirted with the idea. Rob, when he was here, God rest his soul. I mean, he's not dead, but he's in Australia, so he's pretty much dead to me. Um, he he said that like one of the things we should do for like an April Fool's episode were to be do a review of like either we flipped it completely and did like wine, be like three wines or three glasses in, or do an episode where we reviewed or or looked into macro beers and stuff like that. But, you know, that kind of be sacrilege, wouldn't it? You know, if you kind of like dip down in there. Next question I have here is from Lionel in Greensboro, North Carolina. Another place I always wanted to visit. I, I think that no matter who sends a question or who sends a comment, I would say, oh, I wanted to visit there because that's something I want, uh, you know. I do want to travel. I do want to see the world. I want to see America. And the Carolinas is something that I want to experience. And Lionel says, so as it turns out, I don't really like wheat beers, even most German wheat beers. There's only one exception to that, and that's Weinhestefana's Weissbier, the classic banana and clove nose. I don't seem to get that same aroma, and taste in other wheat beers. Why is that? And more importantly, are there any other German or non-German wheat beers that are similar in the banana and nose category? I think I've read in the past that this is a byproduct of the yeast. Yes, you're right. So perhaps this is something that Weinhestefana has a monopoly on? Question mark. So Lionel, there actually is a a yeast. I think it's, now I'm going to sound stupid because I didn't research beforehand, but if you go and you look at uh, any distributor, uh, not distributor, but anywhere you could buy home brewing supplies, they do have the Weinhestefaner uh, yeast that is for their Hefeweizens and their and their uh, and their Weiss beers or, or vice versa. Um, and these are the these are what are going to give you the banana and clove like uh, characteristics. Um, so. What happens with these types of beers is, I mean, and I could be wrong, but um, it's always a balance of the banana and the clove. So it's like if there's a lot more clove, you know, it's going to, I think, taste more like a hoe garden and there's a lot more banana. You're going to get this vice beer or maybe like a um, Franziskaner, so to speak, uh, that has more of that banana flavor to it. Now, the reason you run into a problem with, quote unquote, other wheat beers Um, because you did say most German wheat beers, but if you're in in North Carolina, I don't know how many you're exposed to, but you might be talking about craft breweries that are brewing, uh, quote unquote, German style vice beers or German style Hefeweizens and stuff like that. So that might be uh, a contributing factor here, but, um, and, and, and usually when they're American made and they're not using those German yeasts. Uh, they're, they're going to be more on that, um, citrusy side. You know, there's going to be more of a hop characteristic there. It's not going to have that sweet banana or that, that cloviness to it. Excuse me. So I hope that answers your question. Well, what was your question here? More importantly, oh, why don't you get the same taste and aroma? That's it. It's the yeast, bro. I mean, mainly it's the yeast, but there's also other factors, of course, when it comes to like what they're using in their grain bill, but. If you want to have something similar, I would say you go with Franziskaner. Uh, Hogarden, um, I think, is is more of the clove. It has like more of like a juicy fruit kind of flavor to it. Um, but in terms of the banana sweetness, you go with Franziskaner. They're they're pretty solid uh, each way. And there's also uh, Schneiderweiss uh, as well that has a uh, a bit of a um, I think more of a banana uh, characteristic to it, but you know, that, that's my opinion on it. Next one we have here is from Vernon in Huntington, New York. Vernon, thank you for the question here. And he asked here, what is the best beer for a college student? I am a college student looking for a cheap beer 
that is good to drink that's not Bud Light or Budweiser. Looking for any suggestions? Thank you. Well, you're welcome, number one. And congratulations on your exploits in college. I hope it goes well, and I hope you have a great time. Hmm, not Bud Light or Budweiser. I say I like going outside the box here. I mean, of course, you got your dogfish head, but that's a little bit, I think, $2 more or a dollar more than the other stuff. Uh, same with um, with uh, Bell's. Uh, again, those are like the major, and Sam Adams. You know, these are the bigger craft beers that you can get your hands on, Sierra Nevada, too, included. But you can get some good deals on these prices. But if you want to go cheap and you want to go pretty, you know, middle-of-the-road good, Good solid party beer. I don't think you can go wrong with uh, like a Yingling traditional lager. Um, uh, yeah, I would go Yingling actually. I'm not even going to give you any other uh, option there. I mean, there's always the Paps thing, but you're going to be sending a message if you get Paps. There's always Coors Banquet beer. There's Miller Genuine Draft or Miller High Life, uh, Rolling Rock. Uh, but I think Yingling. I would say Yingling, and you're right up there, man. So. That's what you should do. You should go with Yingling. Now, there are a couple articles here, and this one here is from drink314.com, and it is here by Jordan Palmer, Ultimate Sixer, my favorite backyard beers, summer edition. I think this is really important. Now, drinking beers outside never goes out of style, and since the pandemic arrived, forcing me to work from home, I've also been spending most of my evenings outside on my patio drinking beer and writing about beer. Which made me think, what makes the perfect backyard beer? I've given this a lot of thought, and I've broken it down into two schools of thought. First, spring-slash-summer backyard beers, and fall-slash-winter backyard beers. Since the spring and summer, I'm going, since it is spring and summer, he's going to focus on that run right there. Uh, so he writes here a little bit about what is wheat beer. I think this is an important part of the article, so I'm going to read it here. To be considered a wheat beer, brewer's mash should contain a significant quantity of wheat. Uh, wheat beers typically contain 30 to 70% wheat malt. Uh, there are different styles that can be called wheat beers, but they all have these certain characteristics. Uh, wheat has much more protein in it than barley, which contributes to a thick, long-lasting head. Uh, this protein also creates a haze in most wheat beers. Wheat contributes very little to the flavor of the beer, but it does contribute distinctively to the uh, silky mouthfeel, which is why... I believe some flaked wheat makes its way into some Niepas. Uh Wheat beers are, are highly effervescent and are mostly light-colored, making them great for summer. And the styles of beers include Hefeweizen's Berliner Weiss, which I've yet to have one that I like, dark wheat beer, uh, Belgian wit beer, American wheat, and fruity wheat. And here is his top St. Louis backyard beers. We have... Schnickel Fritz, a German Hefeweizer from the Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, coming in at 5% ABV, 12 IBUs. Perhaps his favorite all-time Hefeweizen. Uh, it's a very underweighted beer. It's an amber with a slight haze. And on the nose, you get the promised banana and clove with a hint of, a hint of citrusy lemon and some weedy malt. And he really likes it. There's also here a uh, raspberry Hefeweizen. There's the American wheat, the Belgian wit beer. The reason I think it's very important that I bring this article to your attention is that I know we put a lot of thought and energy into the IPAs still to this day we do, but it is important for us to try to get out there and try to have some of these wheat beers that are available to us because they are really delicious and fantastic. Uh, There's a Virginia brewery that it is announcing. It is seeking a quote chief hiking officer who would be paid $20,000 to spend five to seven months hiking the Appalachian Trail and drinking beer. The Devil's Backbone Brewing Company, based in Lexington, said it is accepting applications from people who love hiking and beer to take to the unique job. The winning applicant will be granted the chief hiking officer title and be flown out to the trailhead in 2021 for the 2,200-mile hike. The hiker who would tackle the ta- uh, trackle the trail, <laughs> the hiker who would tackle the trail between May and September of 2021 will be outfitted with equipment by the brewery, as well as being treated with some big old beer parties along the way. The application on the company website consists of some personal information, proof of social media or blogging savvy, and a video explaining why the applicant should receive the position. 
The company has said that its best application will be selected for interviews and an assignment to complete oh, to com, uh, to compete for the next round of elimination. So they're really going downrange on getting the right person to do this from the devil's backbone. $20,000 to hike the Appalachian Trail, which is pretty darn long. And I think that's pretty cool. That was from UPI.com, ladies and gentlemen. This next article is from the uh, Mercury News, uh, which I think is out of San Francisco. Oh, an ad has popped up, so I can't read it now. No, thank you. I don't want to join the University of Massachusetts Amherst. No, thanks. This is from their lifestyle section in the eat and drink department here, and it says 540 breweries sign on for Black is Beautiful collaboration beer initiative for hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, And it's an imperial stout at 10% ABV, and it's got a pretty cool label of like a jigsaw puzzle type thing of all different shades of, of black and brown. Uh, And it started with the Urban South Brewery, I believe, but I'm going to continue on here. Unless you've been living under a keg, you know that since the death of George Floyd at the hands of a Minneapolis police officer, people worldwide have been protesting how black people in America are being treated by our justice system. A brewery in San Antonio, Texas, uh, Weathered Souls Brewing, uh, is helping uh, in those efforts. And that's weatheredsouls.beer if you want to visit their website co-owner and head brewer Marcus Bakersville is using his platform as a craft brewer to create, excuse me, uh, to create a beer to spread awareness of racial injustice in America and raise money for social justice causes. Bakersville, who is black, is that as, as, uh, yeah, did I say break Bakersville before Bakersville, who is black created an Imperial stout called black is beautiful originally intending it to be a single special weekly release at his brew pub. But Jeffrey Stuffings, his good friend and fellow brewer at Jester King, persuaded him to give the beer a broader reach. And last year's Resilience IPA showed him that it could be done. You may recall, and also with Altogether, that's happening right now. Oh, it says it right here. I'm sorry. Let me not get ahead of myself here. You may recall that during the California wildfires last year, Sierra Nevada Brewing Company created a resilience IPA and gave out the open source recipe, asking that people donate a portion of the proceeds to wildfire charity, wildfire charities. More recently, Brooklyn's other half brewing company created an altogether IPA to benefit the hospitality industry, which was slammed by the effect of COVID-19, which had shuttered breweries, brew pubs, bars, and restaurants. They too shared the recipe so that other breweries could participate. Now, 540 breweries in 14 countries have joined the Black is Beautiful cause. Bakersville's a beer is a stout, naturally, and an imperial one at that, which seems only appropriate. The recipe calls for Cascade hops and half a dozen malts, although Bakersville says his recipe is only a guideline and invites other brewers, uh, brewers to tinker with it as they see fit adjusting it to suit their local water and account for the other variables and asking brewers to please place your own spin and love into this. The sky is the limit as ter- as far as creativity. There's also a homebrew recipe that can be downloaded and used to brew in small batches at home too. Uh, both collaboration recipes, professional and homebrew can be found at black is beautiful dot beer. Weathered salt is asking that the brewery, uh, the breweries that make the beer, do three additional things. First, donate 100% of the beer's proceeds to, quote, local foundations that support police, police brutality reform and legal defenses for those that have been wronged. Second, quote, choose their own entity to donate to a local organization that supports equality and inclusion. And third, quote, commit to the long-term work of equality. The charity that Weathered Souls picked in the is the Know Your Rights Camp, the organization founded by former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. But every participating brewer is free to choose their own local charity to best suit the needs of their community. The plan was released at the beginning of June, and 80 breweries signed up on the first day. As of June 11th, 540 breweries in 43 states and 14 countries have committed to make their version of Black is Beautiful Stout with more signing up every day. Of those 57 
are in California, 16 of them in the Bay Area. Among them are Almanac Brewing Company, Armistice, Armist, Armist, excuse me, uh, Blue Oak, Clandestine, uh, Cooperage, DSCHA. There's a whole bunch there. I'm not going to go into all of them, but look up your local out there in San Francisco and see what they have there. By the time you read this, the number is going to be even higher for sure. By the time you hear this, too. Um, so what can you do as a beer lover? This initiative is aimed at spreading awareness and getting as many breweries as possible to collaborate in unison for equality and inclusion. Oh my God, excuse me. Sorry, I'm I'm drinking the show beer and it's, it's interesting. Uh, but it's also to create, um, some delicious beers. Please check the list at, uh, black is beautiful dot beer. Uh, HTTP slash, uh, but you could just type in blackisbeautiful.beer and your favorite local brewery's website for updates on whether their version of the beer will be released. Finally, uh, Weathered Souls suggests if your favorite brewery hasn't signed on yet, shout us, uh, shout us out and tag them with the black is beautiful hashtag. We appreciate your support. Uh, we appreciate you for supporting our cause and can't wait for everyone to get a taste of, of all the variations of Black is Beautiful. I think this is a great initiative. I think it's really cool. And it's about unity. And it's about awareness. And it's using that same doctrine that we see with All Together and with the Resilience IPA. And I think that it is great that the message of beer can be used to unite people and to try to get everyone on the same page. Um, and I hope that this this continues to grow. And I hope that... Um, and that, again, from mercurynews.com. Uh, and I hope that uh, the beer is good. I think it will be. Uh, I'd like to get my hands on some of them. The next thing here from porchdrinking.com. Here are 60-plus black-owned breweries to support across the country. Again, in the wake of George Floyd's murder, people across the country have been supporting the Black Lives Matter movement through protests, donations, signing petitions, calling their representatives, and more. But one more way to more directly make the craft beer industry... Sorry, I can't really see the text here. A more diverse and welcoming community is by actively spending your money at black-owned breweries. Many breweries have been vocal in their support of the black community, raising money through selling merchandise and beer with proceeds going to different organizations. However, the craft beer industry is still predominantly white. Of all craft beer, uh, of craft breweries in the United States, less than 1% are black-owned and 88% are white-owned while there have been some recent steps in the right direction, such as hiring of J. Nicole Jackson Beckham as the diversity ambassador at the Brewers Association in 2018 and the launching of Fresh Fest, the Black Beer Festival in the United States, founded by Black Brew Culture, improving diversity within the craft beer industry has a long way to go. Speaking of, due to COVID-19, Fresh Fest is going digital in 2020. Grab your tickets for a full day of programming, celebrating black-owned breweries, including live art, music, DJs, podcasts, uh, brewing, cooking, speakers from across the world, and more. Um, While other prolific beer writers and media members like Ale Sharpton, oh, that's clever, and and Black Beer, at Black Beer Travelers, which is on Twitter, I believe, have laid the groundwork uh, previously, we also wanted to help highlight the black-owned breweries who are doing tremendous work in beer throughout the United States. One reminder is that this list is not meant to tokenize the black community, but rather highlight the awesome work the black-owned breweries are doing. Please be respective of these breweries by getting to know them as talented brewers and breweries first and supporting them simply by drinking great beer. Uh, this list was compiled with the assistance from prior research conducted by Ale Sharpton. I think that's really clever, Ale Sharpton. And then, oh, wait a minute, let me see. I could click the, I can click the uh, URL of Ale Sharpton. Oh, it's a, it's a guy's, um, uh, uh, it's a blog, Ale Sharpton. That's so great. I like his hat too. Great hat. Uh, so this is also, uh, he did a piece with uh, The Thrillist, and there was an inter- uh, uh, interactive map created by Black Beer Travelers. And this is also used with contributions from Beer Advocates. So in the Northeast region, we have Rhythm Brewing Company in New Haven, Connecticut, Joy Hound Beer Company in Baltimore, Pat- uh, Patuxix uh, Brewing Company, I'm sorry if I didn't get that right, in Waldorf, Maryland, 
Union Craft Brewing in, uh, Brewing in Baltimore, 67 Degrees Brewing. In fr- I'm going to actually just, I'm going to take this article, I'm going to post it on Three Beers In because I could be here. I could be here for a while reading about all these. So I'm going to put, yeah, there's a ton. Oh, my God. I got to, um, I'm going to put this on the, um, on the, uh, bleh, on the Facebook so everybody could, uh, can, can look at it and read it. So let me just hold on a second. Hold on one second. All right. I just made a note to make sure that I put it on the Facebook because I usually always forget to do so. Um, but that's it for now. Uh, in terms of the beer news, uh, there's not anything really left. Uh, and we're going to move on to the, uh, to the beer review. Okay. It's my favorite part of the show. Actually, the whole show is my favorite part of the show. I love this show so much. And I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening again. Anyone who's coming in here brand new, I thank you for coming. I hope you continue to come along. I hope you just buy into the community effect that we have here on the show. So Action Bronson's 7,000 from Stillwater Artisanal. I just want to comment here. I love the can. It's got like this 1970s look to it. It's an orange with gold lettering and like the font is very 1970s. And it's just got a really, really cool look to it. And from uh, Stillwater Artisanal's website, it says here, Action Bronson 7000, a dry hop sour ale brewed with muscat grapes, 5% ABV. It's a fry, uh, excuse me. It's a fresh, floral, and funky with notes of apricot, grapefruit, and fresh grass. Lightweight and only 5% ABV. It comes served in a 16-ounce bright orange can. Yes, it is. Blurring the line between beer and wine, it's a perfect summer crusher for those looking for distinctive flavor and experience. The 7,000 label art designed in collaboration with Mike Van Hull at Oprobiations, sorry, butchered that one, is a punchy reflection of the Bron- of Bronson's corresponding album of the same name. I had no idea about that. With an equally unconventional approach to life, work, and art, and a mutual appreciation for supernatural vines, wines and terpy dabs Brian and Action make an uh, excellent synergetic match as fate would have it they met a few years ago as neighbors and that's where the story began uh, this beer is a culmination of many creative sessions and studio hangs born of their desire to produce something equally unique and exciting so I have one of these already and uh, as you know, I write down the uh, the notes that I have when I have it, and then I crack open a fresh one, and I look at the notes, and I give another fresh take on what it is that we have here in the glass. So it is a uh, tall boy. I hate talking into the cup, because then it makes it sound like I'm in a hallway. I really do like the can here. It's that orangey look to it. Like I said, it's got that 1970s look to it. First sour I've had in a while. I got one more sour in there to go. So I'm pouring this bad boy out here. I'm trying to be careful not to go too far overflowing. We're good. We are good. First thing you notice about this, it's it's got a very light color to it. And it's also a little hazy. Not too, too hazy, but a little bit hazy. Uh, I got two fingers ahead there, uh, but it goes pretty quick. So we're going to see if that happens again. And it's also on the very carbonated side. It's very, very lively. When you're looking at the beer and you're looking at what it's doing in the glass, there's a lot of action. I mean, really, there's just a lot of movement going on. Excuse me. And I like that. I like a beer that has a lot of life to it. Let's get a nose on it here. It has a Moscato smell to it, like the wine, the sweet wine, because there's like a mango aroma there as well. Um, It has like a champagne type smell to it or aroma. And there's also um, some citrus that I'm getting on the on the um, on the nose. Definitely an interesting smelling beer. You don't really smell that it's a sour. I mean, a lot of sours, you don't really smell it, but, you know. 
Let's get a taste here, shall we? Mm. Same as before, it's tart. Uh, the sourness is there. I'm not a, I'm not against sours like Rob was, so I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm I'm pretty good with the sours. Uh, it's not overly sour, like, but it's tart, but it's not like too crazy. Like you're gonna get heartburn from it. Um, it's almost like a mango mimosa type thing. There is a citrusy flavor there. It's very very bright. Okay, um, a very light bodied, very champagne like uh, taste to it. But there's a ton of carbonation in here as well. Like the head is gone already. Like I said, it does go pretty quick. I wish it had more oomph. It's got a dry finish. Like I said, like a champagne type finish. Pretty tasty, but not... Not over the top. You know what I mean? Try to go through this again. There's definitely more of a beer aroma when you smell this one than it is with the flavor. The flavor just comes out like a mango mimosa champagne with tartness there, like with a sour characteristic there that usually isn't reminiscent of a mimosa or a champagne, right? The dry finish is pretty pleasant. Um, It's got a good dry finish to it. Kind of brings me to the... uh, my hope in what brute IPAs were going to be, but it just didn't happen. So that kind of like makes me a little sad. So let's go to the style here and the final thought. So in terms of the style, obviously it is a sour and it has a sour flavor here. But here's my problem, right? I know I mentioned Rob, okay? Yeah. So... The aroma that I'm getting here, I think, is strictly from the dry hopping because there's no real bitterness. There's no anything. Okay, so a while back when we did Fruitwood, which was from uh, Founders back when they were really craft craft, um, I really liked it. But Rob had said something that I thought at the time was a bit of a nut, not a nut job statement, but a Rob a poo pooing its statement, which was it doesn't taste like a beer, right? So with a lot of sours, that kind of quality can shine through. Like, does it taste like a beer or what's going on here? And I think with with Sour September, that opened my eyes to the fact that you can have a pretty quality sour, but you also do have some sort of resemblance of a beer. And that's not happening here. I don't really taste beer. I mean, that mango flavor is probably something going on with the hops that they used. But the aroma is is misleading in terms of what you're going to get in the flavor in the beer department. It tastes like a sour mimosa. That's what it tastes like. It's not terrible. I gave it a rating of a 6.5, and I think that's a pretty fair rating. Uh, it should be lower. It really should. But I like the other type of present. I like the can. I like I like what's going on. I like the artist, Action Bronson. Even though I don't listen to his music. You know what? That shouldn't factor into the beer. Hold on. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm actually a bit of ashamed of myself right now. Let me be... Let me get my pen ready. Let me be a little bit more. What am I thinking? This is a beer show. We're rating the beer. We're not rating the can. We're not rating who made it. How dare I? Let me do a little bit more of a deep dive here. I want more beer. I want more more oomph. I want more full. It's very light bodied. Very dainty. It doesn't get a 6.5. It gets a 4. An even 4. It's not disgusting. Okay. But it's certainly not the best sour I've ever had. Not the worst. Every Berliner Weiss that I've ever had has been bad. But there's just, it's not a, it doesn't taste like a beer at all. I feel like it's, it, it just, it's a sour mango mimosa type. It's like a sour 
mango mimosa. If it was like, if you gave me this and said, hey, give this a shot, don't rate it in terms of whether it's a beer or not, I'd be like, oh, it's pretty good. It's it's crushable. You could have it. But I don't get the floralness that's there, okay? I don't get apricot at all. I don't get the fresh grass that they're saying is in there. It's not doing it. Not hitting the mark for me, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen. It gets a four. I'm a little disappointed. I wanted to put this on the Mount Rushmore, but now I can't because it just hasn't hit all those marks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to go to www.3beersin.com. Hit the store. In the store, oh, there's a merch section is what I'm trying to say. And in the merch section, you can get yourself a shirt, phone case. There's mugs. There's a whole bunch of stuff there. At threebeersin.com, you can catch this podcast if you're listening right now. Anywhere you can get podcasts. So if you want to download Spotify, you can get on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm in a little bit of a fight with Google right now trying to get my shit on there. But there's also it's also on the website, so you can check it out on the website. And that's also where you can contact me in the Contact Us tab and the merch. Don't forget the merch. They smell The shirts smell really weird when you get them, but then, you know, it's great. You wash them and you can wear them, and it's a really fun, good time party. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate you guys. I will be back next week unless something happens, but God willing, I'll be here. I want to get this thing going where I'm week to week, not every two weeks. So sorry about that. If you didn't catch the episode last week where I interviewed Rob Callahan from Tuckahoe Brewing Company uh, about Brewery Strong, check it out. It is a great episode. Really fun chopping it up about beer with him. I really hope you like this one. Episode 169. (laughs) We're out, ladies and gentlemen. God bless you. Stay safe. Love you all. We're all in this together. We're going to be all right. Take care, everybody. Love you all. Love you so much.